dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in God's country crops far as I can see headlights on both ends of my day this country life is for me ride with us HPJ ride with us Welcome, folks, to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Midwest Ag Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Associate Editor Jennifer M. Latsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, Associate Editor Kayleen Scott. Hey there, Kayleen. Hey, Jenny. All right. Some of you might be noticing, some of you might be noticing that we have a little bit of a different format this week. If you're listening to us on your regular podcasting channels, that's fine but we have added a video component. So if you're a fan of, of YouTube videos of podcasts and you want to see shoddy YouTube production, <laughs> welcome to HPJ Talk on our YouTube channel. <laughs> Shoestring budgets. Here we go. <laughs> we are learning as we go, folks. So give us a little bit of a break, but um, this is kind of fun to add a, a video component to the podcast, right, Kayleen? No, it's not. <laughs> no? No. No, I hate having my picture taken. I really hate being on video. So <laughs> it's a stretch for me to be on the podcast. So we'll see. <laughs> It'll be just fine. I promise. Um, all righty. Well, let's look and see what we've got coming up here uh, this weekend. Did you see that we have another bomb cyclone in the works? Yeah, I told my sister earlier in the week that I was choosing to ignore the weather forecast and maybe it will go away. Yeah, it's not going to go away. I hope not. They're calling for 80 degree highs in Denver tomorrow, followed immediately by blizzard conditions yeah, on saw, Wednesday. saw that yesterday. So if you are in the path of this storm and it looks like it is everything but locusts and frogs coming out of the sky, please be careful. If you are neighbors to the north and you're already dealing with a lot of fallout from the last bomb cyclone please be careful and and be prepared as best as you can yeah and we will keep everybody in our prayers because this is going to be one heck of a of a doohickey if it if it comes through again yeah they say the wind here is like 60 70 mile an hour predicted gusts so i hope <sighs> our stuff doesn't blow away <laughs> you know i had every intention of getting out and doing some sort of yard work and getting some cleanup done on my yard this weekend you know i'm working towards getting ready for planting my annuals i like to do that i like to clean out my containers and clean out my flower beds and i do that uh, you know as uh, it's a progressive thing i do it weekend by weekend mm -hmm. i don't do it all in one weekend because i'm not insane <laughs> and i had a plan to to do some work this weekend and um yeah, it, it kind of went out the window with this bomb cyclone. Yeah. Thankfully, last weekend, or this past weekend, I got my lawn mowed for the first time, Kayleen. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, with all of the henbit, and, or some people call it chickweed, henbit, whatever, it's the purple flowers. Yeah. With all the moisture that we've had this last winter, they have come on strong. I like to say the wildcat force is, is strong with those little weeds. <laughs> Um, it sure is. There's lots of it around. <laughs> I almost needed to pull out a swather and bale this stuff. It was just nasty. <laughs> and then I tried applying weed feed. You know what? I am just lousy at being a farmer 
an urban farmer. <laughs> Can't <I> handle am. <laughs> it. <laughs> I talked the boys into cleaning up our yard because they have a tendency to drag stuff outside and then it never comes back in the house. Uh-huh. Toys or we have an old shed that's falling down and there's lots of artifacts in there and they like to go drag stuff out of there, but that never returns to the shed. Mm-hmm. So we walked around the yard and tried to clean up. So when it is time to mow, that stuff won't get mowed over. Those little tiny bitty pieces of plastic? Yes, that never go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Because I'm pretty certain that the plastic that, that they use for children's toys is just, it, it, it's the cheapest plastic known to man. And it instead of breaking down, it just disintegrates yeah. into tinier little pieces of plastic that eventually just, you know, go into the soil. Yeah. Once it, once it get brittle, it once it gets brittle, it just shatters and goes everywhere. You know what? This is why I don't have children. <laughs> I just have to. I just have to dance around dog doo doo. Yeah, I have that too. So, <laughs> and the doo doo that the dogs bring from the horse pens to the house. So, well, hey, they're just grocery shopping. I guess <laughs> trying they, to fertilize. <laughs> they need a snack. <laughs> I let Fred out at lunchtime today, and he made a V line for the. For the horse pen and got his little mid-afternoon snack and came back. My brother used to call cow flops Scooby snacks, and I didn't get it until we went <laughs> and saw Scooby-Doo because um, my grandparents were the ones that had cable in town. And so I, that's the the only time I got to watch Scooby-Doo was when we were in town at Grandma and Grandpa Clark's, and I got to see cable TV. Nice. And when they said, we're going to get you a Scooby snack, I'm like, ew, that's no, that's nasty. <laughs> And now you all have that vision, too. <laughs> and it's already gone to the poop talk, so. <laughs> I think, really, we should just have a separate podcast. It's nothing but poop jokes. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think we can mark that one clean. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if Charmin can have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, let's see. What else did I do this weekend? Oh, um, I spent my glorious Saturday uh, at... In Abilene, Kansas, announcing the 2019 Wild Bill Beef Shootout, which is a spring stir show. Kind of fun. Nice. Got caught up with some people, saw some new babies, saw some new boyfriends. Not for me, but other people had new boyfriends. <laughs> I still have the same old fella. Okay. Kind of fond of that fella. Okay. Don't want to trade him in on him. I'm two 20 year olds. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> well, if I can get two 20 year olds for a trade in on a 40 something, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Is he, he listening? <laughs> he always listens. I think he's one of our, he's one of our, our major our subscribers. Listeners. Yeah. Mostly, I think he listens just to make sure that I'm not making any fun of him. <laughs> okay. Which I do on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get when you date me. You should hear what she says off microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, speaking of um, significant others, how is your significant other coming along with accepting the pigs into his life? He reluctantly helped with the pen the other night, and I have this grandiose plan in my head for a little shelter for these pigs. Okay. It required setting four posts and nailing tin to it, you know, and making a little hut for them, and he was having no part of that, and proceeded to take an old bed liner out of a pickup and prop it up against something that was already there. And so there's kind of an A-frame. So pretty much after the winds this weekend, that thing's going to be over in Hodgman County? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. He, he nailed it down, but we'll see. Oh, that's adorable. He yeah. used nails. Aww. 
Yeah. And then he proceeded to sit and watch me wire the hog panels up. So <sighs> at least I got some help pounding posts. Good. There we go. Little <laughs> bit by little bit. Eventually he will come to accept the pigs into his life and, and he will become a pig show dad it'll be adorable i don't see that happening (laughs) yeah when he gets around the other pig show dads and realizes just how much fun and beer gets drunk at the pig show he's gonna be on board he's gonna be really on board with this well they're not supposed to have alcohol at the fair so we'll see how long that lasts oh that's adorable that you actually think people follow those rules you're just because they implemented it after our senior year so (laughs) the code of conduct that's really cute yeah um I've never been to a livestock show, pig show, cattle show, whatever, that there wasn't some sort of potion Be- beverage <laughs> in a in a an unmarked got jug somewhere <laughs> that was off limits to the kids. Yes. Yeah. That ain't lemonade. <laughs> um yeah. let's see here. Uh, well we, what else is going on? We worked calves on Sunday. Oh yeah. And since the fire we haven't replaced a lot of stuff down there and last year we let the calves get entirely too big so they were big enough to run through the the full-size chute and cut <laughs> when you needed to to do that and, well these are a little a little smaller so we really need a calf cradle or you need a crew that can help you flank and tie them and i was gonna cut say them. that's a lot of lifting and throwing yes. down and it for 30 head i mean between the two of us yeah. it was a lot so we were going to wait to cut them, and then the vet talked my husband into getting implants. So mm-hmm. we tried that, and there just wasn't enough restraint in what we had going on. So we will try that another time. <laughs> now, for folks that might not be familiar, <clears throat> you said since the fire. So uh, your husband's family farm burned in the... Uh, 2017. 2017. The Starbuck fire. Mm-hmm. It burned the barn, and... Part of the working facilities, the pens are still there. The chute burned, kind of, but it's still workable. So mm-hmm. we're making do. We do a lot of making do around here. There's a lot of folks up in um, Nebraska that are making do. This week, uh, later on in the podcast, you're going to talk to uh, one of your one of your uh, uh, talk to one of your sources from this week's cover story on uh, range and pasture management, right, Kayleen? Yeah, I spoke with Oklahoma State's uh, fire ecologist, John Weir, and he gave me some tips on how to prepare your farmstead for a a wildfire. That's inside the issue. On the cover, I talked with a science teacher from Jinx, Oklahoma, that is in his, what is it called? What's AP stand for? Advanced placement. Placement. Obviously, I wasn't in advanced (laughs) placement, but... In his advanced placement science class, they are integrating burning into their landscape there on their school farm. So, Oh, that's a really neat way to to understand the, the mechanics of fire and what it can actually do as a tool yeah. rather than just simply the destruction that it leaves. Yeah, and Jinx is a very urban mm-hmm. school near Tulsa, and he is very excited to have these urban kids learning about fire and what good it does. Good. Awesome. Well, hey, anything else? No? Not that I know of. <laughs> it's been um, kind of a, a crazy weekend. I had everything planned Sunday to get caught up around some housework, finish up some yard work. I was going to weed and feed after mowing on Friday, like I, I mentioned. 
And late Saturday night, my fella said, hey, by the way, mom's having a birthday party <laughs> in Ellenwood for uh, my nephew. So, yeah, I'll meet you there because he spent all weekend in uh, Rock Springs, 4-H, our state 4-H center here in Kansas. He was at the Kansas State 4-H shooting sports training for the county coordinators and for the instructors. And so remember, I did that story last mm-hmm. fall on the Kansas 4-H shooting sports program. Well, it inspired him to learn to be and get certified to be a county coordinator. Cool. And so my fella went, he's kind of antisocial. <laughs> <laughs> and he, again, he's with me. I don't understand. <laughs> like, am I supposed to be social for both of us? <laughs> so my fella, um, like I said, he was they're making new friends and learning how to be a county shooting sports coordinator they've just updated and changed the program so there's a lot of things involved um you know i I used to be a county project leader i i did a lot of volunteer work with the 4-h program over the years from being a a a member to a, a volunteer but anymore the hoops that volunteers have to go through just so that we can all cover our hind ends on risk management and making sure that the kids have a learning, safe learning environment and the adults have a safe learning environment. Uh, I, I Yeah, kudos to anybody that raises their hand and says, I will take this yeah. on because there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of background work and yeah. training and all that kind of stuff. Well, one thing that was brought up in the, in the training, among the many things that he mentioned to me, he said, you realize that there's a lot of folks that you that their cell phone numbers change because phone gets cut off for some reason or another or they change phones or their track phones or something along those mm-hmm. lines their cell phone numbers change and so they've discovered that when you they have the sign in process for when you, sh- you practice your shooting sports you are to sign in and sign out and on that sheet now they add what is your current phone number and you have to fill that out so that way they know who to get a hold of, you know, parents and, yeah, and kids. Yeah, something happens. I mean, it's just simple things like that. And the fact that you have highly urban settings and really rural settings all under the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think of 4-H as just cows and plows and it's out here and we're a bunch of hayseeds. But 4-H is huge in our urban areas as well. Yeah. And so, especially the shooting sports project, because it's one of those things that kids don't um, have to invest a lot of money into. I mean, uh, some counties have their own equipment, and so um, if they if they want to buy their own equipment, they can. But yeah. they they can go and they can use the equipment. They can compete and they can do that. So cool. anyway, that's about it. That's that that pretty much weekend in a nutshell. It was so <laughs> gorgeous. I didn't really want to stay inside. Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't get a little color in my arms on Sunday, but. Must have been hiding in the shade enough. <laughs> well, I got a little bit of uh, color in, but um, I was underneath the shade in the the announcer stand for most of the day. But I tell you what, we had some cute kids in that ring, Kayleen. I bet. Oh, my gosh. There is nothing like a little girl with chubby cheeks and a big pink bow in her hair hauling around a big old 1,200-pound steer. <laughs> They're just, just like, oh, my gosh, you're just such a puddin'. <laughs> So anyway, you didn't say that, did you? I wanted to, but I was professional. I will say this. <laughs> that show was the quickest show we've had in forever. 
I couldn't get one class pulled up before he had the class in the ring going out the door. Did he have somewhere else to be that day? I don't know. And I said, you know, I said, we'll go as fast as you, as you, you know, care to go. Holy buckets. (laughs) He was on a mission. I started calling for four and five classes at a time just because there was no way. (laughs) Yeah. And we had such, we had some small classes and he just winged them. He just ran them through one time and then placed them as they were going out the, out the gate. And I'm like, okay, we need to slow it down just a smidge. Because it gives those ones out back a little bit of anxiety. I tell you what, we started with the heifer show, ended with the steer show. And uh, some of those guys with the steers, I just go, look, he's going through the classes quickly. So do your finishing touches right outside the ring. I, you know, and they're all over our fairgrounds. They don't really stay tight. There's. They're all spread out. And some of them are about a mile away, it seems. (laughs) I'm like, dude. (laughs) Just come towards the light. Be sociable. (laughs) Anywho. um, Yeah, so that's pretty much the weekend in a nutshell. We hope that you folks out there again are taking the bomb cyclone seriously and getting prepared, preparing your farms, preparing your livestock and and your farms and your families. Man, hunker down, Kayleen. Yeah. It sounds like Dodge City won't have a lot but the wind, but... With as tender dry as things can get out here in a heartbeat, that could cause yeah. some wildfire danger for That's us. The so. scary part of it when they start saying fire weather watch. Yeah. Well, and and honestly, I realized why my March felt a little off. We didn't, have, didn't have any fires. We didn't have the fires. <laughs> we had the we had plenty of flooding to to um, to talk about, but none of the fires. Yeah. And so fingers crossed, toes crossed. Let's all. Watch out for each other. Yeah, don't do anything stupid. Yeah. Well, in this week's episode, we're going to bring you the stories you might have missed in the April 8th print edition. We have an interview from Kayleen from her range and pasture management cover this week and an interview from one of our alfalfa U speakers. And Kayleen's going to bring us the latest on grain markets and we'll have some final thoughts. So turn up your speakers or sit down and catch us on YouTube. <laughs> Maybe roll down those windows for some fresh spring air and ride with us on HPJ Talk. Page 1B story this week was from contributor Lacey Newland about the FDA researching grain-free pet food and their connection to heart disease in dogs and cats. Veterinarians do not know the significance of grain-free diets in association with heart disease just yet, but some are now advising to include grain in diets in moderation until the issue is better understood. On page 2B, managing editor Dave Bergmeier reports that Nebraska livestock losses count is expected to be significant. While hard numbers are still coming in, the estimate of $400 million in loss is likely to rise. On our Opinions and Editorials page, 4B, Seymour clearly writes about the Senate's partisan fight for disaster assistance, a $13 billion disaster supplemental funding bill with funds for Midwest flooding, West Coast fires, and $600 million set aside for Puerto Rico, which, as you know, is still recovering from a hurricane over a year ago, was all on the floor, but Democrats 
blocked the legislation because they wanted more than the $600 million that were earmarked for Puerto Rico. And Richard Thorpe, past president of the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association, writes to the editor about recommendations to reduce red meat from many segments of society and encourages readers to look at news reports with a critical eye. Remember, if you have a response to something you've read or heard, please write us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. We want to know your opinions. On page 32B, Kayleen wrote about the wildfire plans and recommendations from experts to help get you prepared before the smoke arrives. Among these expert recommendations are to evaluate fire risks around your home and farm, such as flammable deck furniture and windbreaks, organize your hay and equipment storage, consider a path of evacuation for cattle and livestock, and of course, have a plan for your own evacuation in case of fire. Glenda Blendert is an insurance agent at the Blendert Insurance Agency of Salem, South Dakota. She spoke at Alfalfa U in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, February 5th, about what new insurance offerings are now available to alfalfa growers. So, Glenda, you sell crop insurance, and um, you mostly work with insurance for forage producers. You really spoke a lot about um, new planting insurance, mm -hmm. and that's really something key for this area, right? Yes. Uh, maybe yes. explain why why farmers need to look into that. Well, for one thing, it's expensive to plant mm -hmm. alfalfa anymore. And the other thing is, is we with the dairies coming in here, that we are seeing a lot, some acres going to alfalfa. Okay. And and part of it is their bankers. If they're going to insure, if you're going to plant something, the bankers want to make sure there's enough coverage there at least to cover your costs if, if it fails. Well, and that particular policy is really helpful because it covers that newly planted through the very first winter, the very first spring. You can cover winter kill. You can cover drought just in case. Right. Right. But, but there is a limitation, right? We don't have we don't have replant coverage. Right, right now. So the problem is, is right now if it drowns out in the spring, they can't replant by May thirty first, which they should be able to, mm -hmm. you know, to fill in those holes. Mm -hmm. They have to wait until the following spring to replant mm -hmm. and get paid for it. If they choose to replant until they fix this policy, they're doing it at their own cost. Now you mentioned there's another policy that can cover them a little bit, but it's it's got forage, some limitations too. The forage production, which actually covers the production once that's an established field. Mm -hmm. But the prob the biggest problem with that is the price mm -hmm. um, that are set and for the different types of alfalfa. And then the bigger limitation is the farmers able to keep the records required. Okay. So overall, um, you mentioned that there might be some changes coming in 2020, 2021. On the forage, on the new seeding alfalfa policy. Okay. I don't know that the actual production policy will get, other than the prices might get fixed, mm -hmm. but it, it's mainly coming in the for, the new seeding. Anything else that you want farmers to really understand about forage policies? That they need to they don't necessarily think about insuring it and they should ask some questions and realize that that forage seeding policy isn't real expensive alfalfa u was sponsored by alpharex seeds john deere and high plains journal
In this week's cover story, I spoke with Brian Yawkers, an advanced placement environmental science teacher out of Jinx, Oklahoma. He's exposing his urban students to the benefits of rangeland burning at the Jinx Fire Ecology Research Station for teaching. Enjoy a part of our interview here. I'm at Jinx High School, um, Jinx, Oklahoma, which is, it's kind of been engulfed by the larger Tulsa metropolitan area, mm-hmm. but um, historically it was a more of a rural school in this area, but I teach AP environmental science, advanced placement environmental science. The this the fire aspect of it is this something did you have experience with, or how did how did this all come about? Well, um, you know the Sun Up TV show that's put out by uh, OSU the Extension there. Yes. You know, I used to watch the Sun Up TV show from time to time just to keep in tune a little bit with what was going on in the ag world. Mm-hmm. And one morning, I happened to see a segment with John Weir on it talking about burning. That was the spring of 2015. And then he came to visit and speak with my class, and we went out and took a took a look at the ag land uh, that the school has, which is about, no, oh, it's about two miles outside of, outside of Jinx. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went out, and he didn't see a problem with, with uh, women there. You started out with high school level, or? Yeah, that's right. Um, so at this point right now, the lowest we've gone down is to eighth grade. I call them the urbanites. Getting them out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. just to go out and walk around in the grass is um, really a, an adventure for, for some of these kids. <laughs> I would imagine. So, yeah, so I, the students I teach, they range from uh, sophomores to seniors. Mm-hmm. So I have 10th, 11th, and 12th graders in my classes. They're primarily uh, 11th graders. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's one other teacher that has kind of bought into what, what I'm doing, and she's a middle school teacher. And uh, so her classes come out quite often. Um, tell me a little bit about what the kids are learning about. Well, the primary thing that um, I'm focused on when I get them out there has to do with, you know, the very broad um, – subject of ecology mm-hmm. and so to me you know we could go out and be doing the same thing on any piece of land um here on the central campus but the fire is the hook that's the thing that gets their attention you know when i say yeah we're going to go out and today you're going to be able to see a burn they're looking at me like i'm crazy <laughs> and then whenever we whenever john shows up and he gets the drift torches and he starts going then they think we're even crazier but um yeah, the students, John brings over his his classes, mm-hmm. um, his prescribed burn classes, and they're the ones that do all the burn. Um, so, I, you know, that's that's an issue that we're not going to get into as far as liability and all that. Right. So, um, they're, they're just very interested spectators. Yeah. But, it, but we, we get out there and, um, you know, they're, they're taking soil samples, so we get into soil chemistry a little bit. Um, we haven't seen any results, really, because um, I've heard... Um, from some soil scientists, it's very difficult to detect um, the changes, you know, pre and post burn with what we're we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we look at soil chemistry. Um, we look at um, the biodiversity of the plants that are present. Um, we do some small mammal trapping. Um, they do some, you know, netting of insects, you know, with the uh, like butterfly nets. So you know, the big thing is we're the long term aspect of it right now is. We're doing it since it's a reclaimed farm, 
Uh, there's a lot of invasive species. Um, Johnson grass is one of the most dominant plants out there. Mm-hmm. And there's some patches of cerecia as well. And so that's one thing that students also get introduced to is um, invasive uh, species. And so we, you know, then we get into things like integrated pest management. Um, we don't have any grazing out in this particular part of the ad property. So we don't have any, uh, any help from cattle or anything like that to help knock off the Johnson grass. So mm-hmm. it's all fire and, um, and, uh, we, we're starting to use a little herbicide. So the Invasive Plant Council of Oklahoma, um, I got a, a grant, a small, small grant from them a couple of years ago for a backpack sprayer and some mm-hmm. herbicide to go out and, and to work on a little bit. Okay. So that, that's, you know, they, they learn a, a little bit, um, some field techniques, um, sampling protocols. Um, that, and that's, that's kind of the, the main reason they're out there regardless. But then you throw in the fire, um, that's really, like I said, gets their attention. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the, their biggest takeaway from participating in a class like this? What I really try to focus on is, that fire is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are situations where there is loss of property, there is loss of life, so it is a, a dangerous um, thing. And so that's like what you're talking about with what John had there about protecting your property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we discussed that kind of thing a little bit because a lot of these students, you know, if they grow up, they're going to be, you know, buying property out in the country. They need to understand, and that that's. I think one of the biggest things is the disconnect mm-hmm. that students have, especially in the city, and they, they have a disconnect from how they fit into natural systems. Yeah. And so fire is part of the natural systems in this part of the country, and we're just trying to expose them to that. So whenever they hear about it on the news and the, the media is going crazy about how this is such a horrible thing, that they understand that the you know the land will regenerate the the, uh, the grasses recover. Um, so even though there's short term you know impacts that could be rather devastating, depend upon the situation, um, they understand that as far as that ecosystem is concerned, it will recover. Yeah. So as and I think you know that's that's one of the things right now with the urban population um, getting larger and larger and larger as far as the, the proportion of people in the United States. Perhaps the rural part of the country doesn't have as loud a voice as it used to have. And for them to understand, you know, kind of their connection to food production and, and things like that okay. as well. Yeah. Is it something that you think you're going to continue to do? Well, I certainly hope so. Um, you know, my, 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 my kids are just getting into the high school, my own children. Mm-hmm. And so I'll definitely be here for, you know, the duration of their their academic career here at Jeans High School. But I'm also working with, um, right now, the Oak Woodlands and Forest Fire Consortium to develop uh, curriculum. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, it's called Fire in the Cross Timbers. Mm-hmm. And this is based on um, some curriculum that the U.S. Forest Service developed um, at their fire lab out in Missoula. It's called Fireworks. And so the Oak Woodlands folks, they sent me out there last June to go through the training for that particular curriculum. And the U.S. Forest Service, they're, you know, accommodating everything, as, you know, as far as the, uh, the transition of their curriculum 
to fit into, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm working on the cross timbers here, mm-hmm. but the oak woodlands. And I'm also working with the Great Plains Fire Science Exchange. But both of those groups are under the umbrella of the uh, Joint uh, Fire Science Exchange. Mm-hmm. And so that program um, is a federal program, and it's split up into regions around the country. And each of the regions, you know, they're trying to foster, nurture um, research into fire ecology and then to get um, information out, usually to, you know, public agencies of some sort mm-hmm. uh, or people that are in wildland fire or something like that. They're trying to get information out to those people, landowners. Like the Great Plains Fire Science Exchange, they do workshops all the time about um, um, prescribed fire uh, practices, you know, how to go about getting fire on your particular property to increase production. And so uh, both of those groups realize that kind of the next step is trying to work on the next, you know, the younger generation. And so they're both using the fireworks as a as a framework to develop curriculum for um, the one with the Great Plains. We're focusing on the tall grasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, that one's called Fire on the Tall Grass Prairie. Yeah. And then we got Fire on the Cross Timbers. So this is something for me, it's kind of a long term. And with this curriculum, hopefully that will foster more acceptance by other teachers. Because when I first got into this, I didn't have any you know, lessons specifically for fire. And mm-hmm. so I'm kind of piecing things together as I go along. Yeah. Um, and so that there is a little reluctance sometimes by other educators to get involved if you don't have a product that they can easily kind of integrate into what they're doing. Yeah. And so that's what we're trying to develop right now. Hopefully, I, I want it to be a resource that not just Jinx Public Schools is able to take advantage of, but other um, schools in the district can come from time to time. And I mean, you know, definitely uh, we want to, you know, show appreciation for the folks at OSU that come over mm-hmm. and help us out with the expertise on the burning. You know, we have a really good relationship with the Dean's Fire Department as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to, it's, it's, it's actually within the city limits. Right. And so we have to get um, special burn permit in order to burn. And so we're kind of confined on the days that we could burn because the weather, the weather parameters are pretty limited. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've been really helpful. But just, yeah, the district, the willingness to do this. Yeah, hopefully over the next few years, it just it continues to grow. Your grain market prices from Dodd City's Pride Ag Resources on April 2nd, corn was down at $3.47, wheat was down at $3.88, milo was down at $2.97, and soybeans were down at $7.55. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters at our website, www.hpj.com slash signup. Simply select the topics that interest you and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. For generations, High Plains Journal's classified ads have been a go-to resource for all of your farm and ranch needs. And soon we will bring that same service and commitment to the digital sphere with our upgraded classifieds online. Check your upcoming issues for more details about this service or call 1-800-452-7171 to talk to one of our account executives.
next week's print issue of High Plains Midwest Ag Journal is our agritourism issue with a cover story from Larry Dryling. And we will be having a very special podcast next week featuring our neighbors in Dodge City, Miss Kitty, and the Marshall from Boot Hill Museum. So be sure to watch for that in your mailboxes April 8th. And as always, look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com slash podcasts. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. This has been a production of High Plains Journal. All rights reserved. Dirt road in a gooseneck. Saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country. Crops far as I can see. Headlights on both ends of my day. This country life is for me. Right.